Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. share a, a message with you this morning that has been at the forefront of my mind as well as my teaching and preaching for several months. It was towards the end of last year that the Lord drew my attention to a portion of scripture that not only I was drawn to it, but the Lord used these verses of Scripture that I'm going to read to you to challenge my faith and to bring me, so to speak, to another level of faith where I would be able to see a greater manifestation of God's goodness and God's glory in my daily life. And so I want to share my experiences with you. I want to share the things that the Lord has taught me for the past several months. And I trust that by the end of my message this morning, you will also be touched and blessed. And somehow the Lord will create a fresh hunger and a thirst within our hearts to go after the Lord, to seek Him with all of our hearts so that He may fulfill His plan and His will in our lives. Amen. Would you say amen to that? Amen. Moses is up on the mountain and is having a heart-to-heart -heart conversation with the Lord. Moments of intimacy in God's glory and we're going to break into that conversation and read just a couple of verses as they communicated and communed together. And Moses cries out to the Lord from Exodus chapter 33. We're going to read verse 16 through to 19. This is Moses speaking to the Lord and he says, For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight. Is it not in that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken. For thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. And he said, I beseech thee, show me thy glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before thee, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. 
Now, this is the conversation between Moses and the Lord. Now, the word beseech means to implore urgently. This was not a casual prayer or a casual cry from the heart of Moses. It was a passionate plea that arose out of a hungry heart to see the manifestation of God's glory in a greater measure. Now just think for a moment. Here is a man who has seen the demonstration of God's glory and power like no other man has ever seen on the face of the earth. And he continues to ask for greater revelations of God's glory and the manifestation of his goodness. He was not satisfied like most of us are in church today. He was not content with what he had experienced or seen in his lifetime. And he continues to press in to God's presence, beseeching God, crying out from a heart that is filled with hunger and thirst to see the glory and the power of God demonstrated in his life. Now that challenged me not only challenged my heart and my faith and my walk with God, but convicted me deeply. Am I satisfied with what I have? Am I content to what I've seen? Because I know that there is so much more of God that I have not experienced. None of us has reached the depth of what God has for you. There is so much more that God wants to do in your life. God wants to show you and reveal his goodness, his glory, his power in your life. But there are conditions to that revelation. And that is what we're going to talk about. And one of those conditions is a heart that hungers and thirsts for the living God. Not for the things of God. Not for what God can do for you, but for God himself. For his presence in our lives. His tangible manifestation of power and goodness in our everyday lives. Amen? Amen. And God loves to do that. God loves to display his goodness in our lives. If we would meet the conditions. And you see here, oh, I pray that we had such a heart and such a hunger for the manifestation of God's glory. Jesus said, blessed are those that hunger and thirst for they shall be filled. I believe most of us in the church, and I'm talking about the worldwide church live far below our privileges and far below of what God desires to show us and do in our lives. He's a good God. Amen. 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 
Notice how God responds immediately to Moses' cry. And he says to him, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I will declare the name of the Lord. Now, in God's mind and way of thinking, his glory and his goodness are one and the same. You cannot separate the glory of God from the goodness of God. So when he speaks about God's glory, he's speaking about his goodness and his power. God is altogether good. There is no badness in him. There is no darkness in him. He is all the time good. And when he talks about God's glory, he's talking about primarily of the goodness of the Lord. Scripture says, taste and see how good God is. Amen. Amen. So this has been my prayer for the past few months. Lord, show me your glory that I may demonstrate your goodness to the world that I live in. That should be our prayer, our heart's cry. Seeking after God. So many of God's people today seek God, but not for who he is, but for what he can do for them. In other words, we relate to God on the basis of what he does rather than on the basis of who he is. There's a difference. Because the moment God will not do what you perhaps asked him to do, if your foundation for seeking God for what he can do for you, when he does not do it or delay what you have asked him, then the possibility you open up yourself to become offended and walk away from God. And many have done so. Many are offended even in the house of God because God didn't perform or he didn't respond the way they wanted him to respond. But God desires for us to relate to him on the basis of who he is rather than what he can do. Amen? Amen. Praise the Lord. One of the primary reasons we are not seeing the demonstrations of the glory and the goodness of God is that as I have mentioned, we are content to go without it. If you satisfied without a greater revelation of God's glory, the Lord will not push himself on you. And that's why we don't see greater works or greater revelations of God's glory and power manifested in our lives. Because we are satisfied and we are content with what we have. Hello. Amen. That's the truth. You see, the Lord will not force himself upon us, but rather waits for us so that we reach out and draw near to him by faith from a sincere heart that longs for his presence. That's why James says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. We have to take the step 
to draw near to Him, to open up ourselves to Him, to surrender fully to Him and draw near to Him by faith so that He can draw near to us. You know, most times we think that we are waiting on God. But the fact of the matter is God waits on us every single day. He waits on us so that we draw near from a sincere heart. Lord, I long for you. David said, my soul thirsts for you. And my flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land. Most believers, I dare say, and I say that with sadness in my heart and pain in the spirit. That they are in the grips of complacency. They're no longer hungry. They're no longer thirsty for the things of God. And one of the primary reasons is that the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for many other things have choked the very life of God within us, and we have become unfruitful. The stresses of life, the demands of life, the worries, the concerns, all of these things, when we allow them to enter our hearts, they choke the very life of God, the desire for the things of the Spirit, and we become unfruitful. Amen. Yet God made it clear in His Word that He has reserved for each and every one of us great goodness for those who revere His name. Not just goodness, but great goodness. Psalm 31 and verse 19 says the following. I'm reading from the New King James translation. Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you in the presence of the sons of man. That is the word of the Lord. He said, I have reserved, I have laid up not just goodness, but great goodness, and they belong to you. Whatever you can put into that word goodness, God has already provided it for you and me. We don't have to plead with God to move. He has already moved. We don't have to beg God to give us. He has already blessed us. Ephesians 1, 3 says, Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. God is not going to do any more than he has already done. He's done all that he needed to do in order to bring us to a place of the blessing. And he says, I've reserved this great goodness for you because you're in Christ and Christ is in you. In the New Testament, you see, I'm laying down a principle. That from God's point of view, he has already given. He has already prepared great goodness. He's not going to do it. He has already done it. It's available to you and I. We just need to know how to access it. 
We just need to know how to tap into it. We just need to know how to reach out by faith and take what rightfully belongs to you and I. And so in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul wrote, Philippians 4.19, And my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. The phrase riches in glory indicates there is a reservoir, a vast and a large supply laid up and reserved for you and I. Isn't that wonderful? See, when God asks us or tells us to do something, we should always look to his pocket rather than ours. Amen? <laughs> Most of us, we, we say things of, oh, I can't afford to do that. Why? Because you're looking at your pocket and your strength and your ability and your resources rather than looking by faith into God's vast supply that he has reserved for you and I. Most of us are crippled by our poverty thinking mentality. Poverty is not in our pocket or in our checkbooks. Poverty is between our ears. And unless we renew our mind with God's thoughts, we will always trip up and fail and be limited and restricted to what we can see and what we can feel rather than what God's word says. Hello, are you still out there? Praise the Lord, you're still with me. Amen. Say hallelujah once in, once in a while or praise God. Amen. So that I know you're still awake. You haven't fallen asleep or something. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. The Apostle Paul said the following. Read with me please. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verses 9 and 10. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love him. God has already prepared them. Wonderful things. But you cannot discern those things with your physical senses. You cannot see them. You cannot touch them. You cannot feel them. You need the revelation of the spirit to know what these things are. And they're not just spiritual things. They're material things. The emotional things. They are there. In the realm of the spirit. That is why the word says. But God has revealed them to us. Through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things. Even the deep things of God. Wow. Do you know that there are radio and TV signals right now in this room? Do you believe that? Can you see them? That doesn't mean they're not here. If you don't believe me, bring a TV, plug it in, tune it on, turn it on, and you will get a picture. But that picture did not appear when you plugged in the TV. It was already here. You know, most of us believers... Beg God to give us this blessing, this blessing or that blessing. And we keep asking God to do what he has already done. And the reason being is that we don't believe that he has already given us. 
and we have to pasture him and, and somehow pressure him into making God answer our prayers. Hey, God is not our problem. That God is always giving. The problem is with the receiver, not with the giver. Once you realize that, you're going to change your prayers. Instead of asking God to give you, you're going to start thanking God for having given you. And rejoice even before you see or feel anything. That's faith. Amen? Amen. For he who believes has. Not going to have. That's faith. We've got to move out of the realm of the senses and come into the realm of faith. Because most of us have natural faith. But natural faith cannot do the job. Natural faith is based on your physical senses. Like Thomas. He said, unless I see, unless I feel, I will not believe. And Jesus rebuked him. He said, that's unbelief, Thomas. The blessed people are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So God says, I have prepared all of these things. They belong to you. You know, I believe the tears we will shed in heaven when we stand before God is that when we see what we could have had and missed it. And God will have to wipe away the tears from our eyes. When he shows, this is what you could have had, but you didn't believe. You wanted to see something before you believed. You wanted to feel something before you believed. That's carnality. That's what the Bible calls carnal Christians. They are governed by the physical senses rather than by the spirit and the word of God. Amen. When we started our church back in Cape Town many years ago, there was a handful of people in our congregation. And God prompted me to make one of the boldest declarations of faith. I said to them, we will have in this city one of the finest buildings in Pinelands and it will be completely debt free. They all looked at me and they laughed. They laughed with unbelief. But I continue to believe, and God did it for us within the space of two and a half years. Hello. Folks, it's time we start looking to God and to his vast resources, rather than our own mingy, whatever resources we have. The Bible says we are joint heirs with Christ Jesus. You know what joint heirs mean? What belongs to him belongs to us. Hello. You are a king's kid. Have you ever seen in a natural, a royal baby or a royal kid begging? They have everything in the natural they need. Anything they desire. Amen. The message translation says in this verse that we read, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, no one has ever seen or heard anything like this. Never so much 
has imagined anything quite like it. What God has arranged for those who love Him. Hallelujah. Praise God forevermore. God has always been good to us. Always. And His desire is to manifest and demonstrate this great goodness in our everyday lives. Every day we should be waking up expecting to see the goodness of God. The kindness of the Lord. The favor of God following us. The psalmist says, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. If we really believed that, we would be the most happy people on the face of the earth. But you see, we are troubled by what we see. Rather than by what God says. We are moved by our physical senses and by the circumstances we find ourselves in. Rather than by the spoken word of the Lord. Faith. The word of God says, Ephesians 3.20, God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think. Most of us stop there, but the verse doesn't stop there. It says, according to the power that is at work within us. Do you know what that power is called? Anyone? Faith. F-A-I-T-H. That power is called faith. God can only do according to what you believe. Your faith will govern the measure of what you receive from God. Your faith is the regulator, the governor of the blessings you receive. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said to the centurion who sought healing for his servant, remember what he said to him, Matthew 8, 13, go your way, and as you have believed, so be it done unto you. You remember that? As you believed. So the centurion believed the word that Jesus spoke. He needed no other evidence to convince him of the power of the word. He said, you don't have to come to my house to lay your hands on my servant. All you have to do is just speak the word. You know, the New Testament is full of God's words, God's promises. All we need to do is just take that word and go to the bank with it. If God said it, I believe it. Well, my body doesn't feel like it. Who said we walk by feelings? You may look in the mirror and you say, well, I don't see that. Well, where did you read we go by sight? We walk by faith, not by feeling, not by sight, but by faith. Faith in what? Faith in what God has already spoken and what God has already promised. So the centurion believed. Believed what? Believed what Jesus said. He said, go your way. Your servant is healed already. So he believed and he took off. You see, faith must have corresponding action. Don't just say, I believe. Hello. Amen. 
Most of us want to see or feel something before we believe. That's not Bible faith, folks. That's natural faith. That's faith of the senses. You believe it because you see it. You believe it because you feel it. That's not Bible faith. That is natural faith. But we are speaking about spiritual faith. Faith is of God. And it's of the Spirit. Because God is a Spirit. Amen? Amen. And we need to switch to a higher level of faith. From natural to spiritual faith before we see the demonstrations of God's goodness and God's power working in your life. Let me give you an example. You're looking for furniture. You walk into a departmental store. Furniture is on the third floor. But you are looking for this kind of furniture on the first floor. You can look until you're blue in the face. You'll not find any furniture on the first floor. Why? Because they are on the third floor. Amen. And so it is with faith. You've been believing God, but as far as you can see, as far as you can feel. And God says, that is not good enough. You need to have the kind of faith that Abraham had, who believed according to that which was spoken. This kind of faith does not consider circumstances. It does not consider your feelings. It does not consider what you see. It only considers the word of the living God. The Bible says Abraham paid no attention to his body now dead, to his wife's body now dead, but was fully persuaded that what God had promised he was able to perform. He considered not his own body. What did he consider? He considered God's promise. God says, by his stripes, ye were healed. But your body says, I'm not. Hello? Whom would you believe? We believe, but as far as we can feel. I will only believe it when I feel it. Well, that's not faith. And God says you, you cannot see the manifestation, the glory, the power, the miracle of God working in your life unless you switch from the natural to the spiritual faith. Hello? This is how men of old have seen tremendous demonstrations of God's miraculous power released into the situations because they believed. Faith is the key. It is the master key to the blessings of God. Every blessing, spiritual, financial, physical, emotional. Amen. Jesus said to the two blind men who cried out for his mercy and his goodness, Jesus said, according to your faith, be it done unto you. He asked them, do you believe I'm able to do this? They replied immediately, yes, Lord, we believe. And Jesus responded, according to your faith, be it done unto you. And immediately they received their sight. Ask yourself, 
Do I really believe what I'm asking God for? Where is my faith? Is my faith on what I see or what God said? Is my faith on what I feel? Is my faith on my circumstances where I am right now? Or is my faith based on the word of God? And make that assessment. And if not, switch. You see, faith is a choice. Just like unbelief is a choice. Thomas said, I will not believe. He exercised his will not to believe. By the same token, you can exercise your faith by saying, I will to believe. That God is for me, not against me. I will to believe that I am healed and act like it. Then the power of God will be released. Because faith releases it. You see, faith is the invisible hand that reaches out into the realm of the spirit where your bank account is, takes hold of what God has given you and brings it into the natural physical world so you can see it and feel it. We need to realize there's a spiritual realm and a natural realm. And the natural world was birthed by the spiritual world. And the spiritual world is the parent of this natural world. And the spiritual truth is far greater, far more powerful than the natural truth. And we need to have an understanding of that. Or we will never be able to step out of our physical senses. Amen? I could go on and on. The psalmist said, Psalm 27 verse 13. I would have lost heart... Unless I had believed, believed what? That I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. He said, I would have fainted. I would have lost heart. I would have been a goner unless I had believed. Believed what? That I would see the goodness of the Lord in my life. Wow, that's powerful. Amen. I believe that. Anyway, that's for me. God is calling me to a life of faith. And to a greater expectations concerning the manifestation of his goodness in every sphere of my life. And I believe God desires that for you as well. Amen. I dare say that most times we disappoint and limit God by small thinking and negative talking. We think far too small. I, I, I you know, how many of you know Bill Johnson? He said something that is so powerful and I want to, I made a note of it. He said, listen to what he said. For most Christians, closed heavens are between the ears. You know, when you stop and meditate on that, that's very powerful. Closed heavens, he said, exist in the thought life that literally empowers the darkness to do exactly what the believer has believed. The word of God says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. 
you are who you think you are. And if your thought life is wrong, your believing will be wrong. And our believing will never rise above the level of our thinking. Hello. And most of us have a lot of stinking thinking. In fact, one of the scriptures says, your life is shaped by your thoughts. That's powerful. Do you know that your thoughts can imprison you and your thoughts can liberate you? Your thoughts can restrict you to a life of poverty, to a life of lack, to a life of sickness and disease, or your thoughts can liberate you into the blessing of the Lord that he has reserved for you. My personal conviction, I believe that the greatest need of the church is a renewed mind. A renewed mind will stay on God regardless. You will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. You want peace? Keep your mind on God. You want joy? Keep your mind on the word. The word of God says... Look unto Jesus, who is what? The author and the finisher of our faith. Who is Jesus? He's the living word. Keep your thoughts on the word. You'll have peace. You'll have joy. You'll have all the blessings. Bill Johnson goes on to say, when we are ignorant of what we possess, we fail to write the checks that are equal to the bank account God has given us. You may have a million euros in your account, but if you do not know it, how are you going to write a check for it? Can you? Ignorance is the platform that the enemy works on. You destroy ignorance, you destroy his platform. Knowledge is the platform upon which faith operates. Revelation knowledge is the fuel of faith. We actually don't have a faith problem. We have a knowledge problem. Knowledge of the word. God says, my people are destroyed for what? For a lack of knowledge. So revelation knowledge is what fuels your faith. You may have the most expensive mode of transportation parked outside your house. But if you don't have the fuel for it, you're not going anywhere. We have the faith. The Bible says we have the faith of the Son of God. But that faith needs knowledge to operate. That is why I say that our greatest need as a church is a renewing of our minds. You see, the fight of faith is fought in the arena of your mind and emotions. That's where the enemy has access. And that's why Peter says, be well balanced, be temperate, be sober mind, be vigilant and cautious at all times. For that enemy of yours, the devil's roams around like a roaring lion seeking someone to seize upon and devour. He who controls your mind Controls your person. My message is plain this morning. If we want to see the glory of God. 
and the manifestation of God's goodness in our everyday lives, we're going to have to switch from natural faith to spiritual faith. And we're going to put our faith in what God said rather than anybody else. The Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar. That includes your doctor. That includes your banker. That includes your lawyer. Let God alone be true. Every man a liar. His word is truth. And Jesus said, you shall know the truth. And the truth shall set you free. Knowing the truth, walking in the truth, is all we need to do. And all of the reservoir of the blessings of God will follow after you. They will pursue you rather than you pursuing the blessing. Not because you're good enough. Not because you fasted. Not because you prayed. Not because you come to church. But because of what Jesus Christ has done for you and me. All of these blessings belongs to us. We are redeemed from the curse and brought into the blessing. But we need to seek God for it. And we need to exercise our faith. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.